Welcome to the Go After Your Passion podcast with Christina Crowley. Live a life you love. If not now, when? Here's Christina. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm with Dr. Ashley Wellman. She is a professor of criminal justice and an expert on cold case homicide survivors and victimization. She routinely serves as a media expert and television commentator on a variety of criminology and social issues, partners with law enforcement on case management, and advocates for families impacted by crime. In 2019, she started her own retail business with the creation of her first children's book, The Girl Who Dances with Skeletons, My Friend Fresno. Her most precious title is being mom to her six-year-old daughter, Reagan. Welcome, Ashley. It's wonderful to have you here. I'm so happy. Thank you, Christina. I'm so excited to share my passion with your listeners. so good for you to be here. And so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so... So like you said, I am actually traditionally, I've been known as a scholar, and that's what my life has really entailed. Um, Since 2011, I graduated my PhD from the University of Florida that year, and I've been in academia um, since then. And my, my body of work has really focused, like you said, on the survivors of violent crime. And to me, that's really where my passion first got solidified was being able to help other people and to be able to to use my platform to share messages that weren't being shared, to advocate for people that maybe didn't have a voice or whose stories were getting left behind. And so that became my mission as a scholar. And then to be able to be in the classroom and to impact my students, that's where my first full love, you know, came to fruition of, of sharing knowledge of supporting other people and kind of helping them guide them down their their path and um and then you know my life has taken some pretty drastic turns since then but i don't know that my passions change just the direction has changed sounds like you're a multi-passionate woman i am i am and and i'm learning so i'm 36 now i'm learning that life is not controllable right i'm a type a i don't know if you are (laughs) I'm a type A overachiever planner. So everything has had a time, a place, a date that it was supposed to happen. And life doesn't work that way. And for me, it's taken some very difficult life lessons, um, multiple miscarriages, um, uh, the death of my husband in 2018. Um, He was only 44, passed away from a pulmonary embolism in front of my daughter and I. Um, It was the day before I started a new job. And, um, you know, it's all these things where you take for granted just the, the basic things of life, right? Like it was so easy to get pregnant with my daughter and I had such a beautiful marriage and all of these things. So you're so naive to Mm -hmm. what life can throw your way. Mm -hmm. And then you get one and you ask the dumb question, what else could happen? (laughs) (laughs) Then it happens again. And then more and more trauma happens. Um, for me, you, after the death of my husband in 2018, I really had to step back and do a lot of self-exploration of saying, what was I chasing so hard, especially in this career path of mine, you know, family's always been my priority. That's why I did my job was Mm -hmm. to make sure I could provide for my family and and those types of things. But my worth was so tied into that career. And when he died, it should have really stopped writing on that career. I think I clung to my career as my identity you know? And Mm -hmm. I said, oh my God, the only thing I'm that's left that's normal is me being a scholar, me as that professor. And then I would hit a road bump at work 
and be denied a, a job that had been promised to me for a host of different reasons. Yeah. And um, some of that being bereavement and lack of understanding with grief and those, those sorts of things. But in that moment, I literally felt so lost that who I identified as, I couldn't separate it from my job. And when that made me so sick, I said, whoa, I got to step back and reevaluate what is so important in life and, and what is that passion and is it only in that institution or can I use it for other good? Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like there's a lot of lessons in resilience that you learned throughout these years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what kept me going is that Reagan, especially, you know, I had, Buddy was the greatest cheerleader in that to be, he was my husband, to be resilient, right? And to, if you're not happy, you're not being treated well, you're not valued, get up and get out because your talents can be embraced and loved by so many people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always wanted to make him proud. I always wanted to make sure my daughter saw her mom resilient. Yeah. I never knew how hard that was until Buddy passed away. And it wasn't just me grieving my best friend who had passed away Mm -hmm. tragically. I mean, it was scary and sudden, but my daughter witnessed it. And so I really had to fight for both of us girls to really cling to who are we, what's important in our life, what's our future gonna look like. And for me being vulnerable and showing her that resilience doesn't mean perfection. Brave doesn't mean never hurting or never being scared. That's kind of been now where all of my energies had to go to, to say like, okay, you're not happy, then let's do something about it. And you can do it scared, or you can, you know, you can try when you're not a thousand percent sure, because it's okay to listen to your heart and kind of rewrite the story of life. Cause it's sure going to write it. It's sure going to keep rewriting it. So. Yeah. yeah. It's nice to be able to shape that story and talking about stories out of all of that. Is that where the book came from? It is where the book came from. Oh. So I've, always been creative, always been creative. As a little girl, I'd perform, you know, the, the full length Wizard, Wizard of Oz for my parents more times than they ever wanted to know that, <laughs> that movie. And I really wanted to be on Broadway, but I have performance anxiety, uh-huh. so I can't I sing on demand. <laughs> and um, so I just love to perform. I'm very artistic. My mother is a gorgeous artist and, and was an educator herself, but really brought art and that music into our home. And so I've always loved that. But once you get to the point where you're studying, you're getting your master's, getting your PhD, there's this fiction that now all of a sudden you have to only do these serious things. You know, you're, you can only have time for this. I was the one, I was a rebel. I actually watched TV while I got my PhD, you know, like you're not supposed <laughs> to do anything that isn't focused on your studies. Yeah. And so I had really neglected all of that. And so when Buddy died, I'm in this tiny condo in a new city dealing with significant trauma and grief, mm-hmm. not only mine, but my babies. Mm-hmm. And it was so crazy because you don't think about what you do with your partner, like these little things, annoying him by brushing my teeth and making him go like, please go in the bathroom and leave me alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or, you know, like, I don't know, uh, sitting there watching The Bachelor or, you know, running by him in the kitchen, and just, you know, loving on him or something. Every moment was silent that used to be filled with a partner. So that was deafening and it was really scary because of the trauma that had happened in our home and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I had an amazing angel in my life who's still one of my biggest advocates. And he told me, um, he said, you gotta give yourself a break from 
the monotony of what you normally do because it's heavy and you're dealing with other people's grief and trauma. And he said, you have enough of your own <laughs> right yeah. now. Yeah. So he said, what if you did something creative? And he said, start painting again, start writing. And then he saw a picture of, of Reagan, my daughter, who was four at the time, she's now six, dancing with her posable skeleton. It was her best friend named Fresno. And um, he said, that is the weirdest, most beautiful picture I've ever seen. And he said, she should be so scared of that skeleton at two. She was two in the picture. She should be terrified of that thing. And instead, it's her friend. It's beautiful. To her, it's like a source of love and companionship and those, those sorts of things. So he said, that's what you should write your children's book about. Write a kid's book. So little to his, you know, his knowledge, I get in the car the next day and I'm, I'm recording myself and, and talking to myself. And two days later, I bring him a manuscript and he went, holy cow, I didn't know you were going to, you know, write it like this. And um, he said, you know, you should, I got partnered with uh, Zach Kincaid. So Thomas Kincaid's nephew, who Thomas Kincaid's a brilliant, you know, was a brilliant artist mm -hmm. and, and just legendary artist. But Zach's work is so amazing and it's so unique. And he's just, he is so talented. And so the honor of getting hooked up with an artist, he's not just an, you know, he's my illustrator, but he told me, he said, I'm not an illustrator, I'm an artist. Yeah. And I said, I know, I love that. <laughs> I love that. So he is, he's my illustrator. Reagan's been such an influence on the book. Um, the Girl Who Dances with Skeletons, my friend Fresno, is the first book. We have a couple more already lined up. So Fresno Finding His Heart and His First Christmas, and then a couple other series that Zach and I are going to partner on. So this is just the start of that. But that creative writing launched multiple projects I've been working on. So a teen ghost novel and things like that, that allowed me for a moment to just survive trauma. That's what it started as. Yeah. And then it became a way to really heal and start to put pieces together, you know, to say, oh, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And now it's a way for me to say, you know what? Like Buddy used to tell me, if you're not happy doing what you're doing or you're not happy in the environment you're in, trust yourself enough to do something different. And so I'm like, well, what if Fresno is that vehicle for change for us? And it's not a way to survive anymore. It's a way to rebuild a new life. And so um, with the release of Fresno, you know, I launched my own small business and um, Fresno is that first book with all his little fun pro you know, products uh, already available, like a plush doll and puzzles. And my goal is to take the skills I have as a scholar and that passion, which has always been help other people, give people a voice, find a way to bring beauty and encouragement to, to places where that may not exist. That's always been my goal as a scholar. So just because I might step away or out of a college classroom doesn't mean that I can't work with elementary school kids and talk to them about loving themselves, celebrating differences, embracing people who are different. That message can be the, the thing that I advocate now, you know, for now. And it's with Fresno. He's a skeleton who's not scary. It's just that people don't take time to understand him. And so once you do, you'd realize you'd want to be Fresno's best friend too, because he's just incredibly special. That's so cool. So you're taking, you know, your grief important into your passion, but yet now it's going to, to, you know, facilitate helping others. Yeah. And it, and it really has, it was, it really was all about this. Oh my gosh. In the middle of grief, I could cling to this. And now it's actually been the thing that's allowed me to just really understand who I am 
and giving myself permission to have grace with myself and have a different level of trust with myself. I don't have anybody else to rely on, you know? And so people say like, Ashley, you're going to publish your own book. You're going to literally my upstairs is an entire distribution center. You know, <laughs> like, you're, you're, what are you doing? You're a single mom. And I said, you're right. But there's this thing called stability. People like to talk about, which none of our jobs are stable. If COVID hasn't taught us anything, mm-hmm. our jobs are not stable, but I don't care what paycheck you're bringing through the door. If that baby sees an unhealthy, sad, upset mother, because she's not happy at work, right? That doesn't matter the size of the paycheck I'm bringing home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I remind people, I'm like, look, I'm going to take a chance on myself. And the the question I get is, Hey, what if you fail? And I said, I just don't think that that exists. You know, (laughs) I have a book. So there's no failure in that. I did publish a book, you know, Reagan is a children's book character. Fresno is a children's book character. But if I don't necessarily succeed at the way I wanted to, right? Let's say I don't succeed in two years. I'm not where I want to be. I can always change course again. That's the beauty of life. And I can figure out, look, I've done it as a professor. I've done it as a children's book author. Now, where can I spread my love of empowering other people or helping other people? It's just about saying you can change the story. And for me right now, I'm literally rewriting it by making sure that you know my children's book is a tool for others to know they're special, no matter what the circumstance. And so what is the genuine story about in the book? Tell us a little bit about that. It's, it's, I love it. <laughs> it's, um, it is a message of the fact that, that Reagan is asleep in her bed and she hears a loud bang in the closet. And that's when she meets... Fresno. He's a little skeleton sitting by himself in the closet. And he tells her this story that he used to hang around a classroom, right? <laughs> As a little science prop. And that he used to watch the kids play and that no one wanted to play with him. And so he saw her at school one day. She happens to be dressed up for Halloween as a skeleton. And he decides to follow her home. And he thinks, you know, she might be more accepting of him. And so she invites him into her room. And that's the last night Fresno's without a friend. And Reagan says, you know, if, if people got to know him, everyone would want Fresno for a best friend. And she starts telling people about, yes, we're different. I have blonde hair and he has, well, no hair at all. And, you know, and then, but he's really great at so many things. Like he's a dapper dancer and an awesome art critic who thinks her work is jaw dropping, (laughs) cute puns and really fun things that show, yes, Fresno was different. Everybody wasn't nice to him, but Reagan takes time to understand him and learns that he's so special because he's him. And in, in the end, Fresno also learns to love himself by being, you know, friends with, with Reagan and being loved by somebody else. So it's just a sweet story of acceptance. Mm -hmm. I think that's such what we need right now. Not that there isn't plenty out there, but it's, it's told in such a great kid's way. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, it's, it's written from, as I read it, or I talk to friends about it, they're like, gosh, I need that book. You know, (laughs) it is, we're, we're so used to as just human beings seeking people who are similar to us, right? Mm -hmm. It empowers you to say like, oh, okay, I found my group. Mm -hmm. But how beautiful when we step away from that comfort level and we say, that person just taught me about, you know, no matter what it is, race, gender, religion, sexuality, uh, a different study, whatever it is, I'm a better human because I know people that aren't like me. And and it really is this thing about, um, if you think about even our grief story, 
certain people are very scared to get close to us because it's uncomfortable. But if you talk to us and you got to know us, there's nothing scary in that, you know? And, and I think all of us, it's like that, you know, you'll hear, I'm a criminologist. So, you know, my students, I'll talk to them about someone being a felon or someone being a sex offender or something like that. And there's this automatic assumption of they're a terrible person. Oh my gosh, they must've done something so horrible. And I talk to them about, you make a very broad assumption without ever knowing anything about this person, you know, because those terms are so defining, but they're actually mm-hmm. really broad. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. you have no idea this person could have written a bad check and their family <laughs> was struggling. You know, that's a felon too. And so, you know, we always think of the worst case scenario or why that should be so scary to us. Mm-hmm. But when then you meet that person and they said, yeah, I messed up. Yes, I did something terrible. I'm remorseful for what I did. It's like, wait, that's, I have a lot of things in common with that person. You know, we're not all that far removed from these people we're, you know, scared of and stuff. So, so I just think embracing the beauty of the world around us for all of us. And as parents, when we read this book, one of the things I tried to do on my website was offer a couple of worksheets for parents to do with their kids mm-hmm. to teach and have their kids learn to vocalize why they're special, right? Reagan's forever special because she lost her daddy. She's more empathetic. She's you know, understanding. So when other people are sad or scared or hurting, you know, or have been traumatized, she gets it. And so I talked to Reagan about, yes, we've been through a lot of unfair, hard things, but you're special because of that, right? And you're special because of different things you've experienced that other kids haven't. And so talking to our kids about the beauty of struggles is something that I really encourage parents to do. And also then to look at your life and talk to your kids about who do we know that's different from us, right? My best, my best friend growing up was Jewish and I loved Hanukkah <laughs> so much because I got to learn from his mother and make potato latkes every year. And that will forever be a tradition to me just because I got to celebrate something that was different than, than my family's celebrations. And there's nothing threatening about that. It was just a celebration of love and family and you know, getting to share uh, history with people. And so I just encourage families to seek ways to do that, you know, seek yeah. people who bring new things to your kids and, and embrace them, not as something scary, but as something magical for your kid's life. And so with that, do you, you know, with what's, what we just kind of talked about in, you know, and the people, you know, talking to you about failure, kind of distancing themselves because you're, you know, what you've gone through and then people making those broad um, assumptions about people. I mean, we're always two steps away from, you know, being the same themselves possibly. But do you think that that is, those lessons are making you and your daughter better people? Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I don't, I remember when people would say like, oh, you know, it all happens for a reason. And I went, oh Oh. God, you know, like, like, let's not, (laughs) let's not. But in fairness, in fairness, I think you get to look at situations two ways, right? I remember lying in bed with Reagan and saying, I can do two things right now. I can shut down yeah. or I can create a life that I deserve, that she deserves and the buddy would have yeah. expected me to do. And so I think each time life hits us, we have to one, give ourselves grace and say, this is not okay. And you have, mm-hmm. you were more than welcome to melt down. I melted down for many a month yeah. <laughs> and I still melt down. But, but then there's this, you have to make a conscious decision to say, how could this help me or someone else, right? And so for me, when I think back about my miscarriages, 
no one talked about it. And, you know, and it's this shameful thing as a woman that I, you know, my body failed me and I'm not the mom I was supposed to be. And all of these things, I did something clearly to, to lose four babies in a row. Like, what did I do? But then I shared the story, you know, on, I remember sharing it on Facebook and then talking to some girlfriends and then they were like, oh, I've had a miscarriage. Oh, and I said, I didn't know that. Well, I know because no one talks about it. And I'm like, well, shoot, <laughs> it would have been so much easier to grieve it and to process it if I knew there were safe people who would share their story. And so, so you think about, you know, like now I, I pray to God, not another woman ever has to know what it's like to be a widow with a baby, but I will meet somebody who has the same mm -hmm. unfair hand handed to them. And so I'll never know exactly what they're going through because grief is so different for every person. Mm -hmm. But I will be able to say, you know, I'm one, I'm so sorry, this is not fair, but the, the sun rises again, right? And that you can, you can do this. And I can't say I get it and I understand it, but I can help them say it, it does get better. And you're, you and your baby are gonna not only just survive, you're gonna thrive, right? And, mm -hmm. and be there. To, to show them and to support them um, and let them know that it's not always pretty and it's not easy. But, you know, for me, it's like, maybe I go through the things I go through so that someone else can have it a little bit easier when they have to face something similar. Yeah. To teach others and be supportive to people. Cause it is, I don't, you know, I, it wasn't any easier when I was growing up, mm -mm, you know, mm -hmm. you still didn't talk about those things and people are talking about them now. And, uh, yeah, I hated people. I lost my parents in the same year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I haven't mm -hmm. had a loss I'm quite so the sorry. same as yours. No, no. I lost them in the same year. And and people say things to help you and you're like, oh. He, they're in a better place, Christina. Oh, yeah. And, Are they? Yeah. <laughs> Are <don't>, they? <laughs> and, and, and I, but, I, but I look back and I'm like, they were doing the best they, they were doing, could. Amen. That was exactly what I was about to say. They yeah. did the best they could. And, mm -hmm. and I think, and it's okay to be frustrated in the moment, yeah. right? Yeah. And say like, oh, I don't like that they said that. But I think as we grow, we do. Yeah. And, it, and as you go through those things, you say, you know what? I'm going to have grace on them because I've been through enough. I've, mm -hmm. I've made my own mistakes mm -hmm. and I'm going to give them as much grace as possible. And in some ways, yeah. when you're really close with people, you can talk to them about like, hey, like... I don't want him to be in a better place, right? Yeah. I'm the better place. Yeah. And be like, you know what? I just need you to say it stinks. You know, like, so, yeah. so being reflexive yeah. too with people we love and care about mm -hmm. and saying, hey, that, that hurt me, you know? Like, just tell me that it stinks and you're here and you're going to hug me. That's, that's it. Because there's nothing be, else to yeah. say. Being yeah. grateful that they tried. Yeah, it's hard absolutely. in the moment. I see them now years later and I'm grateful they tried. Oh, yes. Yes. And I'm telling <laughs> you that the ones that show up, I don't care if you fail or not, or you're, you're, you say the right thing or not. When you show up and you're not yeah. scared to be in the uncomfortable, mm -hmm. that's, where, that's where true love and friendship is. That's brave. Is. That's mm -hmm. really brave mm -hmm. for people to come into the surrounding grief. Yeah. And just, just, but honestly, my biggest advice and what I've learned, because I used to try to make, you know, I used to be the one to fill in the gaps and like, mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, something probably wasn't healthy with the baby. Oh, it's okay. You can try again. You know, I've been the person to say really silly yeah. things that don't yeah, help. We all have. Mm -hmm. And so now my, my go-to is, you know, I'm so sorry. This is so unfair. I don't know what to say, but I'm here and I'm going to help you. And then I think of ways just to help without even the, the grieving person having to help you ask for it. Because mm -hmm. in deep grief, I don't, I didn't know how to, all I knew how to do was put my pants on and brush my teeth. You know, like I didn't know what I needed. Yeah. So I loved it that friends would say, you know, like, do you need anything? I'm like, I don't know. 
I don't know what I need. And then the next day I'd open the door and there'd be a house cleaning service, or there'd be a gift card for groceries, or there'd be food waiting or, you know, just, I didn't, I didn't even know if I needed it or not, but it was Mm -hmm. that I didn't know how to think if I needed it either. So um, yeah, so it's okay to mess up, but show up. That's the greatest. That's the greatest. Mm -hmm. And when people, it's awesome when they know what to give and you, you know, and they just do it. I, yeah. I was always shocked by that. Always shocked and happy and surprised and grateful. And yeah, that's, just to be that's thought an amazing of too. thing. Yeah, yeah. Just to be thought of and to know. And, and, and another thing is that, you know, people are so comfortable at first supporting, you know, and, and we forget yeah. wait, that widow has anniversaries that, you know, oh. daughter has her mother's birthdays. Like, you know, mm-hmm. all these things, Father's Day for Reagan, mm-hmm. you know, and so oh, yeah. I still have incredible friends that, that tomorrow is his, the anniversary of his death, right? Oh. And I have a sweet, sweet friend, donuts were his favorite, and she just sent oh. me a donuts gift card, oh. and she said, go get, a, go get a dozen on me for you and Reagan to celebrate her dad, and I went, you know, yeah. I don't even have to, yeah. tomorrow's not going to be about mentioning, mm-hmm. oh, today's the day your dad died, right? But tomorrow can be a day where we go get donuts together and we mm-hmm. tell funny stories and we look at pictures and we just have a girl's great day yeah. because he'll be looking down going like, yep, yeah, please don't be like that. Don't be sad today. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're celebrating their life. Please I know celebrate I me. Yeah. You know, somebody told one of my siblings this and it just, I, it, you, you never know how to feel when you get it. It's, they wouldn't want you to be sad. No. <laughs> yeah, but and it's that, so true. Uh, yeah, that's, that's hard to hear. Yeah. And, uh, it is definitely hard to hear that, but oh my gosh, well, you, but you know, congratulations for you on Thank you. figuring it out and being a role model and being supportive and showing us how to, you know, there can, you can build, you can yes. bounce back, you can yeah. be resilient. It, and I think, I think something that we, we have to do just as, as human beings is, is the grace of ourselves and saying, you have permission to break the mold mm-hmm. and try again. Like that, if that life that you wanted isn't exactly what you wanted, that's okay. And you can mourn that that didn't work the way you wanted, yeah. but then you have a whole nother life. Like what a blessing, you know, like buddy gave me not only love and self-confidence, but he gave me this gorgeous daughter. And mm-hmm. so I can either sit here and yeah. stay broken or I can fight to be healthier. And like I said, there are days where I am not a great role model. <laughs> there are days where I don't get it right and I'm not perfect, but the fight, I will fight always for yeah. my passion and, and that to be kind of at the forefront of our lives. And I think the days that you're not a great role model, it's a great role model. Thank you. That is not a bad point. It's not That's a, a bad good point. role model. Yeah, be vulnerable. Aren't. Yeah, oh. it, it is. And it's, you know, it's letting us be human. And I think you know, to go forward and to, to pursue something, to follow a passion means, you know, having the guts to go forward. I know uh, I was reading, I don't know where I read it. I should keep notes, but, it was, <laughs> but you know, to go forward and to pursue your passion means that people aren't always going to agree. They aren't always going to um, look at what you're doing as success or failure. Whereas, you know, even if I, you sold two books, 200 books, 2 million books, it's all success. It's all in your perspective. And, and, and when you follow your passion, you, you, you kind of have to be uh, a little callous to, you know, to just, you know, let that bounce off of you. And mm-hmm. maybe they don't see it how you do. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're, you're really well at that. 
Well, thank you. I, I'm, I'm very sensitive, but when it comes to kind of something that you're convicted about, I think you get to a point where it's okay if people don't understand it, yeah. you know, and, and you say, especially with what we've been through, I've already, I know what it's like to be brokenhearted and to hurt and those kinds of things. So trying a book and seeing if that works, that's fun, you mm -hmm. know, and it's scary. Um, but I told my daughter just the other day, she was trying to learn basketball on her Zoom call with camp. And, and she said, I don't like this. I'm not good at it. And I, it's, it scares me to try. And I said, she said, I wish I was brave. And I said, you know what, Reagan? Brave means one thing. It means trying even when you're scared. I said, how brave is it if you're already really confident and you know you're good at it? That's not brave. That's easy. I said, brave is when it's scary and it's hard and it's not something you know what you're doing. And you say, I'm convicted enough to do it. I'm convicted enough to try. And so I just need, you know, I, I said, if I put myself out there enough, someone's going to be impacted. And um, there's a quote that says, you know, like if I'm helping children learn and, and helping them learn a love of reading, I've done my job. I think it might be Rob Dahl. And it's like, heck yes, I would like to do that. I've always wanted to help other people. Little ones need it even, you know, just as much, if not more in certain ways. So I'm hoping my friend Fresno really does bring that kind of joy to people's lives and gives them the encouragement to say, hey, step outside your comfort zone because there's beauty in the differences and there's beauty in things that seem scary. And there's the subtleness that us, uh, that us adults will uh, will be able to <laughs> have yeah, with there's, it too. There's so many cute quirky things like the Bona Lisa's in there, a play on the Mona Lisa and some fun puns that adults will get. So I hope, I hope your listeners um, get a chance to check it out. Um, it's it available. Yeah. yeah. It's available. What is it available? It's available now for pre-order and it'll be in people's hands in October. So people can jump on to www.myfriendfresno.com and they can start shopping now for the plush doll, for the puzzles, for the book. And then um, if your listeners put in the coupon code PASSION20, they're going to save an additional 20% so that they can get a, a little bit of extra Fresno love in there in their cart. That's awesome. And I'm going to put all of that on the website. I'm going to put it in the notes to the show and wherever anybody finds their uh, podcast, it will be also in there. So it will be easy to find. And it is the most adorable book. Your characters are cute and a, a great story and an, an amazing, amazing passion. And I hope it works out really well for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Christina. And going into Halloween, I think that'll be, it, it, it's, it's awesome. Yes. Halloween is a great, great holiday to go into with something like that. It'll be so it could be when you meet your best friend like Fresno did. That's Absolutely. right. <laughs> we all need something to do this fall. Yes, we do. <laughs> all righty. And then so uh wow, this is this has been fantastic. And um, yep, we're going a little bit over, but I, I thank you so much for being here. And um I look forward to looking for that and and they'll go to your, hopefully the, the, I know the listeners will go to your website and take a look and you'll have great success with this. Thank you so much. And I'll look so forward to, to seeing that. Yes, ma'am. I can't wait. And if anyone wants to follow us on our wacky adventures, we're at my friend Fresno all over social media. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we would love to have people kind of join our whimsical world. Absolutely. And, and I look forward to it because I will. <laughs> yes. I can't I wait to have you as a fan. Thank you, Christina. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Ashley. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to Christina. Now, go after your passion.